Hello and welcome back, everyone, to the Stack Awards podcast. This is Nico Dehan back to you guys, and as always, I have Brandon with me today. How's it going, Brandon? What's up, Nick? Do you think um, anyone's ever called Calamax the Storm Sire a dinosaur? <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> I don't think so until just now, but it should have been before. <laughs> that that was a good one. Good job, Brandon. Hooray! People like me. <laughs> <laughs> that that was sneaky good well i think we got a good show today folks um today we are going to talk about a little thing brandon and i did recently which was a deck tech challenge or a deck brewing challenge and i decided to make hoffrey the ghost forge i call him the bro forge because he always makes friends and then you made angry boy borborger Burgomamos, right? Burgomamos, yeah. Yep. And then we had a little battle, and um, we didn't record that because it's just the logistics of the show right now, um, and we're just an audio format. I feel like that would be pretty boring for everyone else. But we do want to do a deck tech on each of the decks, talk a little bit about them. And before we get to that, we actually have some news because as of the time of this recording, Innistrad is releasing fully tomorrow. And it had its pre-release last Friday. So between a couple of cards in that that we want to talk about and about three other news items, I think we have a good news section and a good little episode for a deck tech today. So with that said, Brandon, do you have anything before we jump into the news? I think my pun was misery enough for the listeners. <laughs> I think it was glorious. And whoever doesn't like it, get over it. I don't even care. So the first news item is an interesting one, and really, it's, I don't know how I feel about it, but I would like to get your input on it. We talked a little bit about the show, or a little bit before the show about it, and I don't think you've heard of this yet. And so in a recent secret layer, one of the celebrities that got his, I think it was, let's see, it was the most recent secret layer drop at the time of this news story, which was November 11th on Twitter. I'm not sure which one it was. I assume it was the Praetors. He got a special card in it. It was a Viscera Seer. And this Viscera Seer was actually mirror printed. So everything, every text on the card was printed backwards. Oh, I think I did see that on Twitter. Mm hmm. And the big hubbub in the community that people are worried about. And I'm trying to have a rational reaction to this rather than just freak out, as fun as that is, is that it was numbered on the card number 77 out of 100, which a lot of collectors are making kind of similarities to the sports card world, which I don't know anything about. But apparently this has kind of a semblance of that. And I don't know, Brandon, what do you think? I don't know if it's healthy, like everyone's worried about it. I don't know if I actually care. It's interesting, I'd say. It's interesting, but was the numbering um, where the usual like card number would be? It is in the, the no. It's in the spot on the card where a promo symbol would actually be printed. So in the bottom right corner of the art frame. Hmm. Yep. I so, don't. I, I don't hate the concept. Mm. My one thought would be just knowing that it was a more 
influential person that got it. I mean, I get having a place in the community grants certain privileges. Mm-hmm. Kind of like judge, like judges always got judge foils. My only reservation is if they were to just send these special cards to people with influence. While I know, like before such release, they send out goodie boxes to different content creators so they can preview the the set. That's all mm-hmm. well and good, but like these quote-unquote misprint-looking things, or it, it could send a bad precedent where it's like, this is a sought-after thing, this would be really cool. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're sending a content creator a normal product. They just they open packs early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and I think as long as they limit it to, uh, and I don't think they ever, I don't know, I don't can't say this anymore because they've done some silly stuff in the past year and a half of Secret Lair. I guess as long as they never do this with a mechanically unique card, then it's going to be okay. Uh, as long as it's always like an art alternate type card, I guess it's fine. And it kind of brings the collector aspect back into it a bit. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of where I'm going there. As long as it's a, like you print a hundred of them, and it's just a random hundred people get them in the secret lair. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. That's a collector's item. It's a misprint, quote unquote, st- style card that'll have value. Right. Just if, if it's someone, because of their position, getting a special limited type thing i don't know it seems weird but also not unprecedented right when it comes to like the old world champions getting their own cards printed and stuff like that but mm-hmm. and like the cards that you get for just working at wizards uh you get some crazy cards yeah, that... yeah like the christmas cards and stuff right hm. interesting well if anybody wants to look this up, I'll try to throw it in the show notes where I read about it. And I heard about it before this, but there's an article on wargamer.com. If you just Google MTG numbered card and Google anytime right around when you listen to this, I'm sure you'll be able to find the new story. Yeah, I remember seeing the picture on Twitter. Uh, do you remember who had it? Uh, his name is, I'm not familiar with him. He works what for Star it? City. Ben. Oh, Blind Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I did see him tweet about that. Yeah, yep. no, it's interesting. Mm. And that, that kind of like intentional misprint's kind of cool. I agree. Uh, it's a neat concept, and I'm especially talking about it now and kind of exploring my feelings about it. I don't think I'm mad about it at all. It's it's a neat thing as long as they continue to do it properly. Yeah. So moving on, another cool thing, and I don't think you had heard about this one either uh, before we decided to sit down today. So on. The Magic Historian's YouTube channel, who I watch quite a bit just for magic news, because that's kind of his bread and butter of what he does. He puts out very informative content. I do like what he does, because he tries to keep it realistic and not super over the top. He found out and put up a video, the most recent secret layer, I guess, I don't know, the most to this recording, because they come out far too often is the Mischief Secret Layer, which is just a bunch of reprints of art alternates, and they went out, I believe, also to influencers and content creators. He received one, and he opened it, put it on his YouTube channel, and then he made another video the next day because he didn't know and then found out that on the Planes card that has a little golf tee, not golf tee, uh, like a hole with a flag, mm-hmm. if you peel off the front of it, it's actually a sticker, <laughs> and he was super afraid to do it at first because he's like, well, I hope I don't ruin this card trying to do this, but it easily pays, uh, peels off, plays off, <laughs> and 
the bottom card has the golf flag, a huge explosion in the background. <laughs> and I like golf, but it's still funny. It says, golf sucks now and has always sucked. And it's a Battlefield Forge alternate art. And I think this little secret Easter egg thing is kind of hilarious and neat. I don't necessarily agree that golf sucks. I kind of like golf, but I know you do too. I think this is cool. What do you think about it? Conceptually, it's neat. It's just, in a way, dangerous. Because, oh, my card. Let's see if I can peel. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Just ripped that baby in half. Yeah, I just pulled the two piece, the two plies completely apart, and now my card is uh, heavily played or damaged. Isn't that kind of how they do like foil peel altars? I think. Yeah, uh, I've seen people make those on YouTube, and they kind of do that as well. They like, I don't know, it's a huge tedious process that I looked at and was like, huh, I'll never do that. Interesting, but don't have the time or skill for that. Yeah, I don't have those surgeon hands. I got the Shaky hands of the West. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Shaky I, ass I don't hands. remember if it was... No way. I'll stick to a keyboard. That's about the mm -hmm. best I can do. Mm -hmm. So the next one, again, this is a another news item that, that has the community stirred up in such a way. Again, I can't really make heads or tails as of at this moment of whether or not I care or don't, or I'm upset about it. I don't know what my feelings are, but it's the Innistrad double feature set that is coming out in January. This set is literally a, not even an amalgam, it is a mashup of both entire sets, all printed in black and white alternate art, like they did in the most recent set for the showcase art. Mm -hmm. And it's just a re-release of all this. So essentially, it's a specialized set of just alternate art cards. And each pack is supposed to come with four Midnight Hunt commons, four Innistrad Crimson Vow commons, two Midnight Hunt uncommons, two Crimson Vow uncommons, and then one of each in each set of Mythic Rares, and one Silver Screen foil card, which is a new type of foiling I think that they talked about for the first time for this set in particular. And they have up on, if you go to uh, Wizards of the Coast and you just search for it, you'll see on their website. And this, the silver screen foiling, you can't really tell on a flat two-dimensional screen without it actually being foil what it's going to look like. And I don't know. Brandon, what are your thoughts on this? It depends on the price, honestly, as I'm mulling it over here. I think they're going to be expensive says speculation from people just because they've already come out and said that it's going to be a very limited print run and they're setting it up almost like double masters because i think there's only 24 packs in a box mm, and that, there's that's a kicker there yeah and there's two mythics and rares in every box or every pack i was gonna say if it was priced and pack wise if it was a normal box pack wise and it was about the price of two boxes, I'd say you'd probably hit parity value-wise. Mm -hmm. Just because it would be more like a set booster amalgam, because you're getting the two rares and less um, less of each set's commons. You'll still get the same amount of commons, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I don't hate the idea. It's just it'll probably be priced to a point where I'm just kind of not interested because I've already gotten a box of both. 
and that's where I'm going to be as well. I don't think I'll buy any. I might buy a pack of it. Yeah, it might be one of those, like, if it's at Target whenever we make a, a run or, or something like that, I'll grab one or two. Yeah, it'll be a that cardboard crack fix, yep. but, yeah. It'll be your scratcher. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. A lot of the, I don't want to say a lot of the people, several people in the community that are uh, influencers or content creators are not happy with this. I don't really care, and I kind of fall into the group of, it's just alternate arts, and if you like it, then buy it. If not, who cares, really? Yeah, and really, the more versions of cards we get, yep. the lesser the price on the less desirable, quote-unquote, versions of the cards should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, all in all, it, it theoretically is a benefit to just your general player having... Your whales are going to go for the ultra premium, super pretty, super special awesome cards. Mm -hmm. I'm good just getting a regular old uh, card. So if that's there's more uh, product available there, better prices for me. I'll take it. I agree. And if there's a commander that you really love and you want to get some fancy version, then it's there for you in this. So I think yeah. it, I think it honestly yeah. fits a wide swath of people. I don't see the issue with it, honestly. Yeah, like our friend Jimmy, like he... He's a big vampire guy. You know, drank blood as a kid, all that uh, good stuff. <laughs> He's super psyched about the Dracula alternate cards. Yeah, and so am I. Mean, I. I love that universe. I love those, or I love that book. So, yeah. Yeah, where I'm, it, it misses on me, but just like Back to Forgotten Realms, you know, my, my friend from Law School, Chris, mm -hmm. he actually bought a commander deck, and I'm not sure if he bought a box or not, but. He's big on D&D. &D. He DMs the campaign I play in right now. He doesn't give a fuck about magic. He he got a, got cards. Yeah. So it, it's about giving people something they're interested in. If mm -hmm. it's not for you, so be it. There there'll be something for you. Yep. You don't and have I you don't have to hate on it. You just uh realize like the big bang theory. It's not for me. People like it. Right. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, I think as long as we stay, I think the only thing that people have, as long as we stay mostly in uh, magic-adjacent worlds for the majority of the cards, you're going to have a brony commander out there, and you're going to have you know, a Fortnite commander out there once in a while with these secret layers that are coming out. But as long as the majority of magic stays fantasy-adjacent, I think that we're fine. Yeah. So Speaking of I think Fortnite, we're getting away you see my boy Naruto Uzumaki getting into Fortnite? Mm, yeah. I didn't watch any of it. I just know he did. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on. I think we've kind of covered those news stories as much as we should, or really uh, can, as much as I can contribute to. Do you have anything else to add to those? Uh, never. All right. So the next two things are cards, actually, that... Uh, you brought up that you wanted to talk about specifically that are cool for the set. Brandon, why don't you pick one of the two and take it away? Yeah, so I, I picked out four total, but we're going to do two for this this one and two for the next one. Mm -hmm. And thematically, these these two work because they're the colors of the deck we're doing a deck tech on. They're the two, they're two of the cemetery cycle that I love. Mm. So they're the gatekeeper and the protector. I'm going to first touch on the Gatekeeper because it fits an archetype that I just absolutely adore. I agree. So Cemetery Gatekeeper is one in a red, a creature vampire, 
first strike. When it enters the battlefield, exile a card from a graveyard. When a player plays a land or casts a spell, if it shares a type with the exiled card, Cemetery Gatekeeper deals two damage to that player. So this fits into the Punisher archetype that I just can't get enough of. I mean, it's mm. red, so it won't fit into my traditional Cambal build, but a Mardu or a Rakdos Punisher build, it's perfect for. And I would even put this card in uh, Carter, uh, or Cardor, however you say his stupid name, uh, who I just built recently. Anything with like a group slug theme, I think he fits into. Yeah, and it's it's great, and it's it's symmetrical, so it hurts you too. So Not if you're in a uh, in a rule plus deck, you can play your dryad arbor, hit both creatures and lands, It'd be great. Mm, I agree. Yeah, he's super cool. He reminds me of uh, harsh. Is it harsh mentor? Yeah, harsh mentor part? and maybe. Sh- there's another one of that same mana cost that does a very similar thing. I'll see if I can find it briefly. Okay. But well, while you find that, how about the other one? And I think this one's cool as well. Is Cemetery Protector. It's two and two white mana for a human soldier. That's a three floor. This one has Flash, which they've been throwing on a lot of white creatures recently. And it says... When Cemetery Protector enters battlefield, exile a card from a graveyard, like everything else in this uh, in the cycle of these. And whenever you play, and it's whenever you play a land or cast a spell, if it shares a type with the exiled card, create a one-one white human creature token. So, as you touched on, uh, as we talked a little bit before we sat down, this is a very good value card. And if you can end up, honestly, I don't even know what's the best. Probably a creature or a land. And I like that they kind of made this wide enough. It's not super narrow, like I would expect them to make something in white. This is a very flexible card. And I think it's probably better in standard than it is in commander, to be honest. But I still think it's perfectly serviceable in commander, especially, oh, I don't know any decks that, any lands decks, for instance, that have a white in them. But there are plenty of decks that bounce stuff, like Tulane, for instance. If you bounce the like, Shrieking Drake over and over, mm-hmm. then you would also get infinite white creatures. So it took or me you, 30 seconds to figure it out. Yeah, or you just have your generic, like, it's a token deck. Like, if you're, it depends on what your sources of tokens are. If you're a creature-based token deck, that's extra value. If you're an enchantment-based token deck... Mm-hmm. Exile enchantment extra value. It's just, or if you're even just a creature deck, it's just extra bodies that helps you get into the red zone. Absolutely. Yeah, I think even, yeah, I think you're right there. Like thinking about our buddy Eric's Trustani deck, which is just Selesnia tokens, I think this could even have a place in there. In a non tight list, I think this, if you pull this, I think it definitely belongs in a token deck. Yeah, I could see it. I have a Marisi token list. I, I could see it maybe slotting in there as a generator, or it would be a stretch, but the um, Sithis, my Enchantress deck, potentially even there. But no, I think it's a good value piece. Yeah, I I don't know on Sithis. I also have Sithis built, and I don't know if it could go in Enchantment. I'm sure, I'm sure you could put it in an Enchantment deck. You could probably give it a, some good protection with that. It's just... I think almost everything in my Sithis deck is an enchantment. So yeah, and but when I do an enchantment deck, normally the sub theme is tokens, just as a way to 
win the game and mm-hmm. get into the red zone. So it would fit into that sub theme where it's like you have an enchantment that's used already. You have um why am I blanking on the green enchantment that ramps you when you play three lands when it's on the battlefield? But that one, mm-hmm. after you crack that to get two lands, you don't need it anymore. Yeah. So exile it whenever you play in your enchantments, you just get incremental token value. Super agree. Well, all right. So, and, and the other card I was thinking, it's oh, not yep. strictly the same, it's Immolation Shaman. So, okay. instead of casting stuff, it's activating abilities. So, it's. Oh, for uh, the Harsh Mentor lookalike. Yeah. So, whenever an opponent activates an ability of an artifact, creature, or land that isn't a mana ability, it deals one damage to that player. Mm, yep. So, it's in that same group slug. Someone does something, they get hurt by it. Love it. Love it. And yeah, I need to get some of this Ricarder. He's probably one of my one of my favorite decks I've built recently. He's super fun. And you got to play in a game with him when we saw each other for your wedding, which we did not talk about today, and I meant to. You're a married man now, and congratulations to you. Couldn't be happy for you. Thank you, sir. And a fun fact, my wife is in Vegas and is leaving on Friday as Magic Fest Vegas starts. Ugh, man. You, it would be cool. It, it would it would be beyond her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she has two decks, but doesn't really play them. Yeah. And sin is the same. I have a deck for her, but we got pretty hot and heavy into the board game hobby. So that's yeah. what we do with each other. And something is to look the, into. Um, the dinosaur deck. Yep. She, yeah, I her. yeah it's still yeah. sitting over there. I need to do something with it, but it just kind of collects dust at the moment. Unfortunately. Yeah, Ashley has uh, the Mo Wu that I got altered for her to look like our dog Gia. Mm-hmm. And um, she has a Janira Kudro, the face commander from the, the human. human. Yeah, because she thought uh, she looks like Tessa Thompson. Mm, yep. And she does. So I built her a human deck. Very cool. I like it. Yeah, I remember you building that a while ago. So it's been some time. Yeah, and everyone was like, oh, no, the, the partners are more optimal. I'm like, no, they don't look like Cus Thompson, though. Yeah, I, I think I even said that to you, and then you gave me that reason. I was like, oh, well, that's a flavor win, so that's way yeah. cooler. And she just heard me uh, mention her name, so she came to say hi. Get some good pets. Get some pets and say hi to the podcast listeners. <laughs> All right, man, are you ready to move into the Hoffrey Deck Tech for the week? I think so. Cool. Well... Before we do that, just real brief, I just want to remind everybody to please like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast, whether that's on Spotify, YouTube, or iTunes, wherever you listen. If you like us and you iTunes, like what you hear. What are you, 50 years old? I know. It's Apple, Apple Podcasts, Podcast. bro. Yeah, I'm an ancient. And, and on Apple Podcasts, be sure to subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Nice. And, and ring the bell. Review. Yes. It, yeah, we it honestly, yeah it honestly helps us a lot and uh will just help us grow over time and if you also want to email us you can email us at the stack at gmail.com so with that out of the way we'll move into the hoffrey deck tech and again uh for those of you that are crazy people and start the episode in the middle we had a battle and I ended up winning this, or winning the first game. You won the second game, so under your idea, it was not my idea, 
you said that I could go first with the deck tech. So we're going to talk a little bit about Hoffrey today. Well, and and the first game was far more interesting than the second game. The second game was a grind, that's for sure. <laughs> so with Hoffrey, it's not going to be a surprise to anybody that looks at him that I went for a value token build. I really fell in love with Hoffrey as soon as I saw him. A, because he's a dwarf and there's not a ton of cool ones, and B, he's in Boros, which presents some sort of challenge to create a good functioning token deck outside of something with green. So I approach this from a similar way that I've created Nethroy, which is an Abzan deck of mine, and a popper deck that I have with Tortured Existence. So I wanted a toolboxy, have something for every situation type build, where in Boros, that's normally not something you can do. Normally you have a limited amount of options. And I think it did okay at it. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest categories that I think actually helped me my first game is removal. I'm not going to talk about lands. I can post the deck list in the notes and you guys can look at them. It's not a perfect land base. It's a pretty budget one, but that's there's nothing interesting in there. But for my removal, I have, and I'm not going to read every single one of these. We can talk about the interesting ones, the ones that had a good effect on the game, is Ingot Shewer, Angel of Finality, Duplicant, Meteor Golem, Sunblast Angel, and Angel of the Ruins. Not an optimal assortment, and it's all permanence, just so I have the ability with Hoffrey to... Yeah, use your ETBs. Yep. But out of all these, I don't know. I would say the most important one for the game was probably Duplicate. Yeah, I was going to say Duplicate did a ton of work. Yeah. And being able to... I think it removed Bobo two, maybe three times over the course of two games. Yep, because I started to copy the token. And even with, like, whenever Duplicate or any card comes back in the graveyard, I try to have stuff like Resurrection or Felden to continue to bring it back again and again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because I think you hit Bobo two or three times, and then now you hit an Omnath token once. Or, no, you hit Angry Omnath once, not mm-hmm. the token. And the other one in this was, uh, it wasn't the best, but I think it did a good service was angel of the ruins which is exile up to two is it artifacts and enchantments i believe it is yeah i don't recall it hit artifacts that's all i know right and it uh it saves you in the first game from some pain yes because i end up taking out your swift foot boots pretty quickly that Uh, that lightning greaves on that game yep yeah swift swift foot boots was game two but it's it's not the most optimally costed card. It does save itself a little bit because it has plane cycling on it. The other one that's in here that's not a pet card of mine, but a card I've always liked just because I think it's a pretty looking card and just the lore, not even lore, just the way it looks and what it represents, I think is cool, is a card that I'll probably more often use in a multiplayer game, but it's Sunblast Angel. And Sunblast Angel, I think, is also seven mana. And when it enters the battlefield, destroy all tapped creatures. And yeah. it's not the best board wipe, but it's a, probably a one-sided one. Yeah, you cast on your first maze, and then main, you can move to attacks. Mm-hmm. So I have that one. I think Angel of Finality, which exiles graveyards, did some work as well. What do you think, and I mentioned it, what do you think about Ingot Chewer in the deck? That's one of my favorite ones. I like it. It only hits artifacts, though. Is the It's just a little narrow 
it is for when you want like straight up removal because mm. if you can get both i think it's a little more important to get both right i agree i mean, I, I think maybe you'd be better served with a a fiend hunter or something with the like where you're able to just get rid of any problem right. and if the regular copy dies you can just get rid of that problem again you might mm. give the other player a etb if the creature has an etb yeah and but... you can even skirt around that with uh the old printing of cards like that where yeah, it however you yeah however you can get rid of i, I forget how the interaction works i think it's fiend hunter or yeah it, one it of the enchantments has... yep, that can get rid of something permanently Yep, it has the two separate paragraphs for when it exiles something and when it returns. Yeah. Um, and you respond to the first trigger. So maybe I'll replace something bigger, like maybe some, I mean, maybe Angel of Ruins, because it does cost seven. Ingot Shure, I think my only, the big reason I have it in there is because it's one red mana to blow up two artifacts. Yeah, that that's that's value. It's just whether you prefer the value or the utility. Right, it's, I it, think, and if you have enough utility, otherwise, at a reasonable cost, probably yeah. good. I didn't think about the fiend hunter. That's a very good option, I think. So, yeah, I think there are a few that do similar things. This fiend hunter is more combo oriented because you can hit your stuff as well. So mm-hmm. you know, it has the um, the Carador lines with uh, Sun oh, Titan. Yeah. I didn't even think about that for because there is a ETB or blink like very small sub sub theme in the deck so that could service that as well and i didn't even think about that until now yeah depending on how many of your creatures are three mana or less you could go with the because you have karmic guide and revlark in here just to skip ahead a little bit right but you could do some of those sun titan fiend hunter karmic guide revlark loops yeah i mean you you don't have green so you can't do the um the boon weaver loop but you can still get some value from hmm doing that Rube Goldberg machine. I know I, you like Rube Goldberg machines. I do, and I think you have cut out my work for me for the next couple days. So <laughs> You're welcome. All right, we'll move on quickly through the next one because I think it's boring, and this uh, people will call me crazy for this, but for our meta, largely, I only include one or two board wipes in my decks anymore, mainly because I'm okay with a game ending. If I draw the board wipe, then it was meant to be. If not, the game can end and we can play another one. So my one board wipe in the deck is Cataclysmic Gearhulk. Uh, it's one of the few on a creature, I would say. White excels at board wipes, but Cataclysmic Gearhulk is a repeatable one. Yeah, there are three or four. Okay. Because um, I, I did this for, I think, Carador. I tried to do an all-permanent thing. Like, Magetta does the lion, does it with tapping... There's, oh, yeah. I love Magetta. Um, He's sick. There's a there's one or two others. I think there was one in Eldrain that's um, a board wipe as well. But yeah. I'm blanking on the name. Moving on. One boring one and one pet card. Again, this deck is not completely optimal because I wanted to include stuff that I just thought was cool. So it's more fun to build with fun cards than just be a strict adherent to quote unquote optimal. Right. And what I did with this is I also built this for my collection. Uh, I didn't buy any cards or order away for any. So that's what I've been doing more than anything recently because I'm in that position where I'm fortunate enough to have a collection that will lend to building a lot of decks. 
So the two utility cards that don't really fit in another category I have in the deck are Lightning Greaves, obviously for protection, protects Hoffrey. Gonna skip right over that one. And then Guardian Archon. I don't know if you saw this one. I don't think you saw it played because it's not yeah, great. I don't remember what it actually does. So Guardian Archon is a... Well, A, this guy is flying on an owl. So already mm-hmm. a win. He's uh-huh. uh, four and two white for a five-five flyer. Uh, as Guardian Archon enters the battlefield, <laughs> secretly choose an opponent. Reveal the player you chose and... You and target permanent you control each gain protection from the chosen player until the end of turn. Activate only once. I love these effects. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a human that does something like that, right? Uh, there's a cat that does it, and I played it in our match, actually. It's Stalker okay. Leon and yeah, does yeah, yeah. So, I don't know what you think of this card. I think we're probably about on the same page. You and I both know there's a lot of other options for six mana i could include that would probably give me a lot more things but i you could you could run just a um a two mana instant to get the same effect but yeah yeah. it just was cooler yeah and i can get it twice with hoffrey so that was the other reasoning for it and um so i'm gonna tease you get even more times with a card we're going to talk about after the deck tech Mm, yes yes you are correct so so that card, uh, there's a few of those in the deck, kind of like what I touched on earlier, Sunblast Angel. I really like it, and I like to try to find homes for cards. And I did that, or homes for cards that I don't use often. And I did that with a few cards in this deck, and that'll be, there'll be another one here shortly. So for Ramp, I'm going to blast through this and rapid fire and maybe talk about one slightly, although I think it, everyone's going to know pretty much. So for Ramp, I had... Archaeomancer's Map, Fire Diamond, Cursed Mirror, of course. Yes. Arcane Signet, uh-huh. Burnished Heart, Solemn Film, Malacral, um, yes. Yes. Soul Ring, Knight White Orchid, uh-huh. Wayfarer's Bobble, Duh. and Boros Signet. Okay. And I think the main one... <laughs> um, I think the main one in here that I've played with it in two games now and i'm very impressed with and i think it garners the respect that it has already gotten in the commander community is archaeomancer's map the card is really really good yeah it's pretty good yeah yeah that's jacob you would say yeah that's jacob <laughs> who nobody knows anymore in our nope, life that is a literal inside joke between the two of us yes so archaeomancer's map i in both my games i don't think i've had it play less than four lands. And yeah, I was ramping pretty hard, and you were ramping pretty hard in Boros. Yep, and that's these are the types of cards I think that you need to continue to print in white, because it is a powerful card, and it, it can quite literally just catch you right up to green. Yeah, uh, and while catch-up effects aren't always great, I think right. this is a catch-up effect that was done really well. And when they start making mustard effects, who knows what'll happen. So um, I'll hate it. Just I mean I I hate ketchup in and of itself, but right. I mean, ketchup is a whole other. It's a whole other evil. A I don't want other evil. I don't Only mayonnaise for me. Uh, I like I like it all. Give me all the sauce. This is a diatribe. I was at a birthday party Sunday, and there was a truth or dare, like random paper slip thing. One of them was eat a spoonful of, or three or four spoonfuls of a condiment, and I watched a guy eat three at least three spoonfuls of ketchup and it was 
<laughs> I'd prefer that than eating a whole stick of butter. Uh, <laughs> I see people do that, and I'm like, ugh. That makes my stomach just wrench thinking about it. Yeah, ketchup is nasty. All right, all right. Back to it. So we have card draw. So for this one, some oldies and goodies, but there's also one new card in here that I think she's pretty good. So I have Maggots of the Wheel, Ruin Grinder, Idol of Oblivion. I'm going to guess Lelia. She's one of the newer commanders. I think she's actually from Strixhaven. Combustible Gear Hulk, Darity Scrap Savant, Sky Scanner, Pirate Spellbomb, Faithless Looting, and Thrill Possibility. What do you think of this list, Brandon? I know it's not optimal. We got cards like Sky Scanner in here because it's super budget, but. High key, I love Sky Scanner. It's just like a little card that can. Yes, it's just this cute little Thopter guy. Yeah, Sky Scanner. And what's the one that brings a land to hand? Pilgrim's Eye? Yes. Yep, Pilgrim's Eye is also a pet card like, of mine. I, I, just, I just love those in my little artifact ETB, like yep. artifact value decks. Mm-hmm. They're, yep. they're so innocuous, but they're so fun. It's a 1-1 that just is a common, and nobody thinks anything about it until you can end up abusing it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. So, Lelia, I don't love her, honestly. I forgot what yeah, she I, did, and I had to look her up a second ago. Yeah, I'm not I, crazy about her. What? I mean, you're in Boros, so you have to go with some of the impulse draw, but mm-hmm. eh. Yeah. She doesn't like go with your ETB package. It's the impulse draw. I don't I don't love her. Yeah, I'm kinda with you. I would not mind finding another just ETB draw effect to have in play, or even the new white card that lets you and another player draw three cards. Yeah, the or that Secret. or even like wedding ring, I think. Oh yeah, from wedding ring uh, would be good. That's not what we're gonna talk about later, but right. Yeah, yeah. If I get one of those, it'll totally go. I don't know. If I only get one of those, I don't know what it'll go in. But probably something that needs it like this. I mean, if you're looking at something more expensive, maybe like a sandstone oracle. I think is the card. Oh yeah, it lets you draw back up to seven. Yeah, it's the like seven mana artifact sphinx. I actually think that's a really good ad. Huh. I didn't think about that one. Yeah, I think I have some of those too because it's, I think, a common or uncommon. Yeah, and it was in um, Double Masters or it was in a set I got a box of where yeah. it just, I have a handful of them now. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I have some. All right. Uh, I know we're going a little bit long, so we'll move right along to Graveyard Recursion. So in this one, I have, oh, yep, two cards that I really like, the, one of which I have not had a chance to use yet, but. Reconstruct History, Promise of Tomorrow, Revelark, Sun Titan, and Karmic Guide. Now we talked we, a little yeah, talked about we three just of classics. Them. Yeah. And like I said earlier, there are cards that are pet cards in here or cards that are not optimal, but sometimes, especially in Boros, with a, this kind of strategy, those last three you have to include. Now Reconstruct History is a newer card from Strixhaven as well. I love this card. Have you had a chance to use it yet? I have one, and it's always on the tip of playing, but I never love it. Really? And because in Boros, you're often in creature decks, and it, mm-hmm. the thing it doesn't hit is creatures. I I can see that. And that I actually did run into that slightly in one of our games. I didn't yeah, I end up playing it. it. I don't love it in this deck because it's a creature-based ETB deck and you can't get creatures back. Yeah. So I, I'd know. honestly like something more like a late-to-dinner or 
yeah Late Some, to dinner. something along yeah. those lines to get what you actually need to keep your value going mm. yeah and i think those are that's another good ad okay cool and for those of you who don't know i'll read it real quick it's a sorcerer for two and a boros you get to return up to it's going to be up to one of each of these artifact enchantment instant sorcery and planeswalker from your graveyard to your hand you exile it and i think you're right especially looking back now and i couldn't play it for really any value at one of our games so i'll look up late to dinner i think that's a good one actually there might be another that i mean it's the landfall emeria shepherd i think okay yeah that might be something to look into it's it's seven mana so it's a lot of mana but it's uh, a flying 4-4 four, four for 5 and 2 white to creature angel. Landfall, when a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may return target non-land permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. If that lands a planes, you may return the non-land permanent card to the battlefield instead. Yep, I have that in... I know, I have it in one deck. I think it might be my Nethroi deck, but yeah. Yeah, so if you're... Um, if you swap out one of the angels for something less expensive and have another recursion slot... That could be a definite option, yeah, particularly if, I mean, a late Archaeum answers map may not help a ton, but Magical Christmas Land, you get a, you're behind a little bit, get a late Archaeum answers map, Amiria, Shepherd, go to town. Yeah, it's not, think... it's not White's usual restriction to small things. It's right any non-land permanent if it's a plains. Yeah, I think that's a really good add. Yep, another good swap. So the one I have not had a chance to play yet, and this is my backup to Hoffrey, because I like to include those whenever they are available. So it's a card from Commander Legends, and it's Promise of Tomorrow. It's two and a white for an enchantment, and it says whenever a creature you control dies, exile it. At the beginning of each end step, if you control no creatures, sacrifice Promise of Tomorrow, return all exiled cards to the battlefield under your control. I... In theory, and this card's like only eight cents. I just looked it up as of now. Yeah. I think this card is super good in a deck like this, especially since it kind of protects your graveyard. And if you ever get super behind, or someone, it's the anti board wipe scenario. If someone board wipes, you're going to get everything back, and it's at the end of each end step. I love this card. Conceptually, I agree. And yeah. I will preface this by saying I bought quite a few of these whenever that set came out (laughs) in theory in practice though the more i like think about it and goldfish it i don't necessarily love it yeah because it's more of a magical it is it is definitely a magical christmas land card you're one um you're one removal spell away from just like oh well all my work is exiled yep what I kind of like better than this and where my building has gone is more to the Faith's Reward brought back Cosmic Intervention style of recursion. So you're not telegraphing it. Mm, but if it's you more have reactionary. Mana, yeah, if you have the mana, you can board wipe, do one of those, bring back what you need. So mm. it's, you're kind of, two for xing someone where they think okay i'm gonna re- do a board wipe or i'm gonna remove all of these things and you're like nope chuck testa all my stuff <laughs> is still on the battlefield 
it's conceptually very similar to um, like a make a stand or a chroma's will. Right. Um, it's more powerful because you can wait longer to use it, which is always more powerful. Yeah, and being reactionary but getting the same effect is ultimately, in my opinion, better. Well, I like you I, might lose some of the cards that die on earlier turns, mm -hmm. but I think in the long run, those cards are just better than Promise of Tomorrow. Oh, 100%. Because Magic is a lot of a game of waiting the absolute longest you can to do something. Yeah, and the, the only bad thing is Faith's Rewards 4 mana. And you have to mm. hold up four mana to use it. But Right. Trade off. Yeah. I think the four mana is worth it though. Hmm. Another That's interesting just... include. Yeah. Well, let's see here. So in, for the sake of time, I think I'm gonna pick and choose some of these last ones. So I have and I'll post the entire deck tech or the deck list in the comments of the show. I have eleven ways to make tokens in the deck. And these range from things like Warm Coil Engine to things like Felton. So not every single one will make tokens by itself. It might need something else. But a lot of these, like Triplicate Titan and Phyrexian Triniform are two newer ones that make a ton of tokens. And then you have classics in here like Mirror Battlesphere. Yeah, and I'll say there's one that we didn't see, but I definitely looked at this list to make sure you had in there. And there's one that I did see last night, or two nights ago. Okay. Recording this that I didn't love, and I, you know I don't like it. Oh, Desecrated Tomb? No, Desecrated Tomb is one that's always like the 101st card on some graveyard decks I play. I don't know. It's Delina. Uh, Delina Wild Mage. Yeah. I, I don't. don't I just, I just, the, I love DD. I love playing DD. Just the D20 mechanic just missed me. Yeah. And it, I had it in play when we played the other night, and it did okay work. I think it's, it, Delina's downfall, unfortunately, and the only reason I think she still fits in the deck is because Hoffrey can immediately bring her back if she dies to an attack. That's the main yeah. reason. But I get what you're saying. She's not the best. She's she's very cheap uh, mana cost-wise, which yeah. is another redeeming quality. Are there stronger things? Probably, but I don't know. I had a fancy art version of her anyway, and I thought she's at least kind of cool. She'll probably be replaced eventually if I keep the deck. Mm-hmm. Moving on to sack outlets, because that is an incredibly important part of the deck. There are well, several. Say, the one I didn't see the other night, but I made sure you had, was Annoyed Procession. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah, that's a, that's a must here. <laughs> yeah. Double all your tokens. It just mm -hmm. lays. So there are two cards and sack outlets. I have your traditional spawning pit. From things like Spawning Pit to Brian Stout Arm to traditionally sacrifice. However, there are two sneaky ways I like to, to sacrifice in this. The first card, I've been looking for, since I started Commander, I've been looking for a deck that this actually works in. It's still not super good, but I still think it's it, it's the best it can be in a deck like this. And that's Shifting Shadow, which is a two and a red enchantment that destroys the creature it's enchanted to at the beginning of your upkeep. And then you flip cards from the top of your library until you flip to a creature and you put it in play and attach Shifting Shadow to it. So with Hoffrey, everyone else that's listening, I'm sure you figured it out. With Hoffrey, you immediately create another token of the thing that you just killed, and then you get another thing into play. The downsides are really obvious. You have to wait a whole turn for it to go around, and people know what's going to happen if it goes off. So timing is a huge thing with this. You're going to need to play this in a situation where there's way worse things out, which isn't 
terribly hard if you're playing like a table full of blue and black and green stuff. What are your thoughts on it, Brandon? Because I imagine you're not crazy about it. <laughs> I'm not crazy about it. But I do have a soft spot for it because it was printed in the uh, Inala Wizards deck. That was my mm-hmm. first uh, commander deck. Yep. So I wanted it to work, but never did. And yeah. when we played and it was on the battlefield, I should have used my removal, but didn't. Mm-hmm. And it flipped. Yeah, and it, it did flip into something good. But I just was like, I, I started to use the removal and then just didn't. And it was a bad call, but. Right. I, th- I think it's all right. It's just very vulnerable. It has mm-hmm. the same issue as Promise of Tomorrow. I agree. And so, it's not, that's not a bad thing, necessarily. Right. It's, not, it's just not optimal, which I, I go back and forth on how inoptimal I want to build when I build like Jank, you know? Mm hmm. And that's kind of where I was at. I wanted to make this deck not only like good, but just things that I like to see, things that I don't normally get to play with that have like an actual valid existence in here. Maybe not the most yeah. optimal, but at least valid. Yeah, and, and the polymorph style effect is perfect for this deck mm-hmm. because you keep essentially you keep the creature and get a new creature for free. Yep, is value. It's free real estate, as they say. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Magus of the Tabernacle is the other sack outlet that's a non-traditional sack outlet. This speaks to my inner stacks player, and I had it in a game with Jimmy when we were playing 1v1, and it did a lot of work because it lets me sack all my stuff that I want to be sacked for free and makes everyone else have like locked down for quite a while. I really like this card. It is a tad on the expensive side. But for what it does, twofold. I mean, it's less expensive in- than uh, Tabernacle of Pendrel Vale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, money-wise. Everything's <laughs> less expensive than that. Again, it's not optimal. It's not the most optimal card, but I do think it's very serviceable in the deck. No, I, I, I like it. And like I was, we were, we were talking, we were playing. I, I like the, um, there are two blue enchantments that do a similar thing for artifacts and enchantments that I really like as well. Mm-hmm. That um, I haven't found a place for them, but I picked up like a place that just because I want to play them. Mm. And I, I like it conceptually. Yeah, putting that tax on it's it's almost Spelltithe and Forcery. Right. I mean, it, it's not quite the same, but I like Spelltithe and Forcery as well. Yeah, just like small stacks effects to slow everyone else down while you're being slow in Boros anyway. Yeah, and that's my favorite archetype. Mm-hmm. make everyone's life miserable but not stacks miserable right yeah eventually you do want to play a second game of the night yeah so i think the rest of these can wait for the people just to see them in the deck list none of them are crazy and nothing that's unexpected so are there any on that list that you specifically think are worth talking about before we move on to the new cards that are like very new cards from crimson Val that you actually suggested for the list. I I just want to reiterate that I really like Kami of False Hope. It's yeah. in my Teshar deck, and I enjoy it. That amazing card. Wingmate Rock is something I've wanted to get into a deck and just haven't. And then, I mean, Panharmonicon is iconic right. for only yeah. being a few years old. Yeah, that's a card. It's when one. Some, it's the, it's a card ahead. when something comes out that does some anything similar. It's a something Armonicon. Yes, except for Necro Duality, which... No, that's Zombermonicon. 
Oh yes, true. That's the. I, I was just about to look through my pile of cards here because I, I pulled one in my oh. slow opening of my Crimson Vow box. Oh, I hope I pull one for my Will Held deck, man. I really want one. And I'm just going to flex on the people listening and say, as we were having technical issues before starting the podcast, I pulled a sore in the Mirthless to make myself feel better. Mm. Them spicy pools. All right. So Brandon actually came, did some legwork on this one and suggested two cards from the new Crimson Vowel set that would be good in this deck. One of which, they're both good. One of which I almost certainly will buy. And the other one, quite possibly. I just haven't thought out a complete place for it. Start with the but, other one then. So the red one? Yeah. So. This one is Mirage Phalanx. It's four and two red for a human soldier creature. It has Soul Bond. As long as Mirage Phalanx is paired with another creature, each of those creatures has, at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a token that's a copy of this creature, except it has haste and loses Soul Bond. Exile it at the end of combat. So because this deck is so ETB, and I mean, you want to create tokens of your creatures with Hofri. Mm-hmm. It fit, it's kind of a backup Hofri, but also just pure extra value. Yeah, and if it even if it dies, it still comes back if as long as Hofri's out. And yeah, and you can soul bond onto something else that's come in since it first came in. Very true. Yeah, I so think I, I think it, it fits with what the deck wants to do with the commander as not quite a backup commander, but almost. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think. It's really good, actually. <laughs> I mean, I, I could say you could probably swap that for Delina. I think so as well, honestly. And then just keep doing something else. Because like you said, like with uh, instead of Delina or Leia, either one. Because if mm-hmm. I have this paired with uh, Sandstone Oracle, uh, or like you Magus said, of the really, wheel. you just keep wheeling. <laughs> oh boy, Brandon. <laughs> now I'm excited. Now we're pod racing. Yeah. Now, because it gives it haste too. It's beautiful. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! All right, uh-huh. all right. I'm a believer, and it's an easy include because there's plenty of spots in the deck to upgrade. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I don't have anything else to say, but that's, but the fact that that's an awesome pick. So good job. <laughs> Thanks for upgrading <laughs> my deck, man. Thanks. High five. High five through the air. And that card is sitting, the only unfortunate, and it will probably come down, it just got released for for creep's sake, is, it's like $11, but I'm sure it'll come down. I didn't even look at, but it's a commander deck, so if you get the right. the commander deck, it, it comes with the price. Right. The next oh. one is, go ahead. Yeah, the other one is also from the commander deck, and I'll let you yep. do that. It is the one, I don't know, now I'm equally excited for both, but this one I think is the big... This is like a if if played correctly a game ender, or quite like quite possibly, it's Storm of Souls for four and two white. It's a sorcery that just says return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Each of them is a one one spirit with flying in addition to its other types. Exile Storm of Souls, and with Hoffrey out, they'd all be two twos with trample and haste. Yeah, so, and you know how I was talking about Faith's Reward brought back in Cosmic Intervention. Yeah. Hey, yeah, and it it works because when your tokens die, your exiled creatures come back to the graveyard, and you can just bring them back and do it all over again. Yeah, this card's 
this is a sick card. This is a sick card in anything with white, honestly. Just to bring any effect that's bring all creature cards back to the battlefield for a reasonable amount of mana. I think it's very good. Yeah, I mean, what is um, Living Death? Five? I think it's five, yeah. I want to so say it's five. It's, it's just about on rates. I mean, white's not going to be as efficient as black in bringing creatures back from the graveyard. Right. But this also doesn't bring back opponents' creatures. And this fixes the blowout uh, for the deck, which decks like this are prone to, and Boros has a hard time recovering from. So if there's multiple board wipes in a row, you're kind of taken out of commission. And this gets you immediately back into the game. You'll, I would love for someone to board wipe after you're established with this. Mm-hmm. And it's not dependent on the permanence being on the battlefield like the other ones I was talking about. Cosmic Intervention, Brought Back, Faith Reward. Yeah, It's just all creatures in your graveyard. This is probably like a hard, almost must-have over, as unfortunate as to say, Promise of Tomorrow. Yeah, I'd say the, Promise or Reconstruct History. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd probably cut Reconstruct first and put this in. But yeah, this card's amazing. I don't know how long it'll stay at $1.35. I think after these printings go away, it's probably going to go up. I think I it's mean, a big, just big pick card. up the Commander deck. It's probably in this. There's what, Spirits and Vampires? So yeah. you pick up one of each, you get both of the cards we were just talking about. Yeah, I'd probably just buy... I don't know. I'll see what I get for my Crimson Vow box, but... Yeah, I think there's some decent reprints in the Commander decks, so I think yeah, they're it might de- be worthwhile. The value is definitely there. It's just if money money permitting, I'd rather pay a dollar thirty five right now for this. That that's also true. I just paid for a wedding, so you know. Oh yeah, I feel that. Oh yeah, you'll be feeling it for a long time. You'll always remember back. That was an awesome day, but that was really expensive. Yeah, exhausting. It's how Cindy and I always talk about it. Eh, that was great. Um, I don't know how people get married tons of times and have big weddings. Yeah, it's like we went from 4.30 when the reception started, and it was suddenly 8.30, and we're like, whoa. Yeah, man. It's one of the fastest days of your life. Yeah. Well, I think that is it for today. I know the show went a little long, but I'm not super worried about it. So, Brandon, same question as always. Before we go, do you have anything to add? Uh, I never have anything pertinent to add. All right. Well, if that is the case, I will once again try to remind everybody, please like and subscribe us wherever you listen to uh, wherever you listen to us. Email us if you so choose, and follow us on Facebook as well. We have a Facebook group up now that you can go on there, and I actually re-downloaded Facebook on my phone so I could interact with it whenever somebody would post. So go there if you so choose, and you will post it there. So as always, for myself, Nika Dihan, thank you for listening. Brandon, go ahead. Bye. All right, later, everybody.